0: So it's uh, kind of an interesting weekend. Um, I feel like half my family is gone because they are. <laughs> um, my wife is in Florida. Gilad is at his first sleepaway winter camp uh, with other uh, friends of ours and stuff. And my mother-in-law and I, I my, Michelle, is here visiting from New Orleans. And we were kind of last night thinking it's so weird being without everybody else but um, Michelle made a wonderful breakfast this morning and for whatever reason that must be the energy that I have today because anyway as most of you know this year we have been doing a sermon series through the book of Matthew and a few weeks ago we began unpacking the Sermon on the Mount looking at it from its first century Jewish context We discussed how Yeshua's three-chapter-long sermon, like I said, you think my sermons are long? (laughs) Try a three-chapter-long sermon. Well, we've discussed how Yeshua's three-chapter-long sermon is really a halachic discourse. It's a legal discourse, using halachic formulas and ideas common within the Second Temple period. We also discussed how Yeshua, as one-man Israel, is an embodiment of the Jewish people, and that his life parallels Israel experience. And therefore, we also discussed how the Sermon on the Mount parallels the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. Today, we're in the first half of Matthew chapter 7, as Hannah read for us beautifully earlier, which gives us snippets of Yeshua's teachings covering four primary themes. So in just that short reading of 12 verses, we we get these four themes of judging others, Investing wisely, persistence in prayer, and respecting one another. So let's look at these first verses dealing with judging others. Matthew chapter 7 beginning in verse 1. Don't judge so that you won't be judged. For the way you judge others is how you will be judged. The measure with which you measure out will be measured back to you. Why do you see the splinter in your brother's eye but not notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye when you have a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly so that you can remove the splinter from your brother's eye. This is a heavy reprimand. Yeshua is telling us that we need to be careful about judging others because if you are a judgmental person, then God is going to be judgmental towards you. Because remember, over and over and over again, Yeshua is always talking about that the the measure of our relationship to God is in the way that we treat one another, right? That you cannot love God and treat people like garbage. In the same way, in, in this line and in this vein, Yeshua is saying if you are a judgmental person and you are constantly critical of others, then God is going to be extra critical of you because that's the way you view God. You view God critically as well. As they say, you should walk a mile in somebody else's shoe, right? It's easy to criticize others. Trust me, I know. (laughs) I know what it's like to be constantly criticized. Trust me, nobody's ever happy with the rabbi. (laughs) And even this morning, it's funny. Every week, I'm excited to hear about what is the new rumor this week. And I found out today that apparently I'm moving to Chicago for a year. (laughs) What can you do, right? You know, you can't please everybody. But as they say, you got to walk a mile in somebody else's shoe. And then once you do, you might be a little less critical, right? In the Talmud, we find an interesting parallel to Yeshua's teaching about uh, having a speck in your eye. That in the context of the Talmud, it's Rabbi Tarfon, it says. Omer Rabbi Tarfon, that it was taught that Rabbi Tarfon said. I would be surprised if there would be someone in this generation who would be able to accept reproach, meaning like that they would be able to accept correction. If someone said, remove the chip of wood from between your eyes, he would tell them, remove the beam from your own eyes. Although there is a parallel in these teachings between Yeshua and Rabbi Tarfon, the contexts are actually different. The context of Yeshua's phrase about removing the splinter from your own eye is in the context of judging others. Whereas Rabbi Tarfon's parallel, remove the chip, from, the chip of wood from between your eyes, was a lament that people of his day could not handle correction. But it's interesting, I was reading this blog this morning, and the author, author of that blog thinks that maybe what Yeshua is doing is judging what exactly the issue is that Rabbi Tarfon is discussing, you know, 500 or so years later. This idea that people can't handle correction. And when you go to correct them and say, hey, this is what's going on in your life. They say, well, who are you to judge? Because you have this in your life. But Yeshua uses kind of the same idea, but he twists it around by saying it's about judging others. Be careful about pointing out the speck that is in your brother's eye when you don't realize that your problem is actually bigger than theirs. Often they say the things that drive you the most nuts about somebody is actually something that you have as well, right? <laughs> You're saying, gosh, that person talks a lot, and you realize, gosh, I talk a lot, <laughs> right? That person is so judgmental, and yet I'm the one who's so judgmental. You know, we, always we have to be careful, because as they say, when there's ever one you know, finger pointed at somebody else, there's... What, three more or four more pointed back at you? We just need to be careful that it doesn't mean that there are not times to bring correction to somebody's life. But make sure that it's godly correction and not you just simply being either judgmental or overly critical. Because the measure in which you judge others will be given back to you. Yeshua then goes on in verse 6 to say, Don't give to the dogs what is holy, and don't throw your pearls to the pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet, then turn and attack you. I was thinking about this morning, how many multiple applications there is to this wisdom. This is talking about investing wisely. But when I say investment, investments are not just about money. They're about time. They're about strengths. They're about emotions. And Yeshua is saying, be very careful about what you invest your time in or whether you, what you invest your emotions in. Obviously, what, where you invest your money, your valuables. How much you invest in people's opinions. That's a big one. Yeshua's point is very clear. Don't waste your energy on those who do not value it. Think about it. This is what it says. Don't give to the dogs what is holy. And don't throw your pearls to the pigs. If you do... They may trample them under their feet and then turn and attack you. Obviously, we're often called to reach out to those on the fringes and to love others even when they hate you. But there's a balance. Yeshua actually always balances things. Things are usually much more balanced than often we want to give credit for. And yes, we have to deal with those who often we don't want to have to deal with. But at the same time, we need to measure how much we're investing and being careful that we're not overinvesting, whatever it is that is not valued. And then he goes on to give another point in, related, in relation to prayer. And that point is persistence in prayer. In verse seven, we read, "Keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep seeking and you will find. Keep knocking. And the door will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps asking receives. He who keeps seeking finds. And to him who keeps knocking, the door will be opened. If there is anyone here who, if his son asks him for a loaf of bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would he give him a snake? So if you, even though you are bad, know how to give your children gifts that are good, how much more will your Father in heaven keep giving good things to those who keep asking him. This teaching, as I mentioned, is all about persistence in prayer, to not give up until you receive an answer. My favorite parallel to this teaching of Yeshua is found in in Luke 11, in the parable of the friend at night, which comes right after Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, because this is a whole section. Luke 11 is on prayer, begins with his version of the Lord's Prayer, and then it goes into this persistence in prayer. And this is one of my, this is my absolute favorite parable. He also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him. That's not the point, right? That you have a friend. It's, it goes on. And you go to him in the middle of the night and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine who has been traveling has just arrived at my house and I have nothing for him to eat. Now the one inside may answer, don't bother me. The door is already shut. My children are with me in bed. I can't give up to give you anything. But I tell you, even if he won't get up because the man is his friend, yet because of the man's chutzpah, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Moreover, I, may, I myself say to you, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep seeking and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be open to you. I love that parable because Yeshua is basically saying, you have this friend who knocks on your door in the middle of the night and you don't want to get out of bed, right? And so you're willing to tell the friend who knocks once, leave me alone, can't you see I'm sleeping? And he doesn't say that you will eventually get out of bed in the middle of the night because he's your friend, You will finally get up and give him the bread in order to shut him up, (laughs) right? That's what it says. You know, it's because of the man's chutzpah, because he will not stop. He keeps knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. Enough already. I'll give you the bread. Just leave me alone, (laughs) right? And yet this is the parable that Yeshua teaches on prayer. He's, He's basically saying when you're praying, don't give up until you get an answer. The challenge here is we may not like the answer. And it might not be the answer that you expected. But don't give up until you get an answer. We often think that we can sort of manipulate God to get whatever we want. And it doesn't work that way. God will always answer our prayers. I truly believe that. Sometimes it takes time. But he will answer. But what I've definitely learned is it's not the answer we always expect. But we're not supposed to give up. If you are seeking God for an answer, keep knocking. Be persistent. Take Yeshua's words to heart. Keep knocking on that door and asking for bread until you are fed. And not just you, but those around you. If you are not interceding for yourself, at least be interceding for somebody else around you who needs that impact, who needs that interaction, that breakthrough from God. Yeshua finally closes with this passage about respecting one another. Always treat others as you would like them to treat you. That sums up the teaching of the Torah and the prophets. There were many ways in ancient times to summarize the Torah, right? We've talked about how the Ten Commandments themselves are an abbreviation of all of the 613 mitzvot, and that even the very first commandment, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, is itself a summary of everything that follows afterwards. But Yeshua also gives a type of summary. That summary is, always treat others as you would have them treat you. That sums up the teaching of the Torah and the prophets, right? All the rest is commentary. In verse 12, Yeshua here gives a summary of the entire Torah, which has often been called, as we know, the golden rule, right? The golden rule is essentially a summary of Leviticus 19.18, where it says, <laughs> You are supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Which, as we know, Yeshua includes with the Shema in his discussion of what is the greatest commandment. Dr. David Stern notes that the golden rule can be found in Jewish writings as early as the apocryphal book of Tobit from the 3rd century BCE, where it says, what you hate, do to no one. That's where Yeshua gets it, right? Yeshua knows what the Torah is. He's also familiar with Tobit, where it says, what you hate, do to no one. One of the most famous and similar parallels to Yeshua's golden rule is a famous story we, of course, know from centuries later, after Yeshua, in the Talmud, comparing Hillel with his contemporary Shammai. For those of you who don't know this story, it's a very famous one, where a pagan once came to Shammai and said to him, make me a prophet, I mean a proselyte, not make me a prophet, make me a proselyte, I'm willing to convert to Judaism, but there's a catch. You have to teach me all of the Torah while I stand on one foot, right? And Shammai who is holding this measuring rod, this stick, chases him away saying, you fool. It takes an entire lifetime to learn Torah. And even then you cannot learn all of the Torah in your lifetime. How am I supposed to teach you all of the Torah while you stand on one foot? And so this man then goes to Hillel and he gives him the same challenge. I will convert to Judaism if you teach me all of the Torah. Well, I do it like a flamingo. (laughs) Well, I stand on one foot. And what does Hillel do? Does he chase him away? No. Hillel was known to be an extremely compassionate individual. Shammai was known as the person who was very rigid. He would be the person that you would apply the term, which, by the way, didn't exist in ancient times, of being religious, right? But being this kind of a person who is, like, overly strict in everything, that was Shammai, and Hillel was known to be a little lenient, to be very compassionate towards others and their observance. So Hillel looks at this Shlemiel, this guy who's trying to challenge him. He says, teach me the Torah while I stand on one foot. And he said, fine. What you find hateful, don't do to another person. That sums up all of the Torah. Now go and study. And according to the story, this man then goes and converts to Judaism and becomes a great sage of the tradition simply because somebody had compassion on him and actually challenged him in the question that he asked the rabbinic parallels to yeshua are obviously much later they're after the time of yeshua now there's two ways to look at these parallels one could be that they are either reattributions of yeshua's teachings to to other sages or they were it's just a common parallel teaching Uh, among many early rabbis but parallel teachings do not take anything away from the uniqueness and the power of Yeshua or his message they just simply demonstrate the Jewish world and context of Yeshua right my point here is just to demonstrate that a lot of what Yeshua taught not that it's not original or unique but it also it just simply draws on the world in which Yeshua came from and within which he continues to exist among the Jewish people. So in these four little snippets, from this small portion of his Sermon on the Mount, we get these four applications of judging others, investing wisely, persistence in prayer, and respect for one another. And these four simple things, if we would just simply take to heart, would change us radically. Of being careful about the way that we judge one another. To give each other the benefit of the doubt. That if somebody here has spoken something against me, that I would go to them and actually apply Matthew 18 and say, hey listen, I was really ticked off at what you said, or I was really hurt by what you said. And I just want to clarify, is that what you meant? Often we get so offended at something that wasn't even meant to be offensive. <laughs> or maybe they did intend to hurt you. But you know what? It's our job to try to forgive and to work things out. To go to them. That's what Yeshua says in the earlier part of the Sermon on the Mount. If you're going to the temple and you were there with your offering and you realize that some, somebody has something against you, go and make things right with them, right? And then come back and offer your sacrifice. We're also supposed to invest wisely, to realize that God has given us talents and gifts, but we also have a responsibility to sow those gifts in an appropriate way. Sometimes we do things that are not not always well received, but there are other times we just waste our time or we waste our talents or we waste our energy, we waste our emotions. And God also wants us to be careful with how we deal with those things. We also discuss persistence in prayer, right? To keep seeking, to keep knocking, to don't stop, to have that holy chutzpah in prayer until you get an answer. And finally, to have respect for one another. That if we could be a congregation that treats one another the way that we would want to be treated, then we are fulfilling the words of Yeshua where he says that they will know you by the love that you have for one another. avinu so, Malkeinu, our father and our king, I pray that we would truly take your words, your instructions to heart, that we would learn to be people who are humble and patient and kind towards one another, that respect one another. But when it comes to prayer, that we are holy prayer warriors who who are bold before the kingdom of heaven, who keep seeking and keep knocking with holy chutzpah until we get an answer, not only on behalf of ourselves, but on behalf of others. And I pray that you would teach us how to use our time and energies and emotions and investments wisely for the sake of the kingdom. So that we would be able to produce fruit for a harvest for the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, God, for what you continually do in us and through us and through this congregation. And I pray that you would do more in us. We pray all of this in your name. In the name of Yeshua, amen. So if you will rise with me,